Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. And welcome to Mixed Company. Mixed Company. We are now on episode 20, um, and you got Kai here with the team, um, most of the team. We're Sim. We're Sim. <laughs> We're waiting on Simeon. Simeon's having a late late night at work, so he's going to drop by as soon as he gets a chance. But in the meantime, we do have a guest. That's always fun. Um, probably go into like a more detailed introduction later, but you can just say what's up. Quick name shout out. Hi, guys. It's Shaquana Joseph. That, <laughs> <laughs> that is your name, isn't it? It is. But in the advertising community, it's Shaquana Ford. Uh, currently a senior program, I'm not program, a senior platforms manager at AOL and a co-lead for our black AOLers, also known as ballers. Bow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. So Shaquana, thanks for, sh- thanks for stopping by. Um, I am excited to have you here. I'm excited for all of us to be back. And we actually have a listener letter kind of. This week's shout-out actually comes from my homegirl, Jenny, from Alberta, Canada. Um, Jenny wrote in, and she just wanted to let us know that she's listened to A Taste of Mixed Company, and she thinks it's awesome and so exciting. Um, and it looks like she's going to try to think of some questions and write some, uh, write down some questions that she'd like us to answer as she's looking forward to starting her internship uh, search this year. So, Jenny, thank you for listen. Thank you for listening all the way up in Alberta, Canada. I hope it's not too cold for you. Um, but yeah, let us know what's going on with your journey. Let us know how we can help, um, and keep listening and share it with your friends. Is Jenny an art director? Or, I mean, art. What's her? She She's a design that? student. So She's Jenny, you're listening. Student. Send us your book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Send us your book. Send us all your friends' books so we can take a listen. Sorry, so we can take a look. (laughs) Maybe not a listen. Definitely a look. So that's good, though. That's far. Hey. Alberta's really far. That's kind of a big deal to me right now. I feel like that's a milestone. You know what? She's already winning. She is winning. All right. So with that, we can just go ahead on and get into uh, dope shit. What you got, Karina? Um... We just watched the Oscars, so we it's going to be a while. I don't know. It's still fresh in my mind because Moonlight won Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, and what else? Let me check. It won all the things. Be- best Writing Screenplay. Shout out. Yes, it did. <laughs> um, shout out to Barry Jenkins, a alumni of Florida State University, Noel Nation out here. I just want to put that out there. Oh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We yeah. see you, FSU. <laughs> they had all the parties back in the day. Hell yeah, yeah, still do. Still do. <laughs> it looks like they won for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Writing Adapted Screenplay. Do, 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 do. Is there anything else? No, but shout out to the. But they were nominated for hella other, things. Yeah. yeah, they were nominated for one, two, three, four, eight different awards. So that's great. Starting to starting to look a little, little bit, a little bit diverse. Yes. No more Oscars are not Greatest, so white. The Oscars are not so white. <laughs> That's good. That's good for We're that. We're in Technicolor. Minute we not are. Not monocolor. Something like that. Well, that's awesome. 
Um, on my end, I just want to give my dope shit is more of a shout out, if you will, to Delta. So took a trip recently to a beach because I needed it and it's been cold. Um, and as I'm sitting there and getting irritated because the flight's not taking off, I happened to take a look down on the screen right in front of me and I noticed that the safety video was uber, uber, uber diverse. And clearly it's staged. Like they literally wanted to make the, make sure they had about at least one to two of every ethnic group or as many ethnic groups as they wanted to represent. But what I appreciated from their safety videos were um, the lack of stereotypes and the roles that people were playing. So obviously men were also uh, flight, flight attendants and the pilot was a black man and there were women, uh, there were women working in, um, I guess more physical, more physical, I don't know, more physical roles within okay. like outside. It was, it was, it was, it, it, to me, it seemed more, a little bit more thought through than just throwing people in a video Okay. and there were speaking parts and you could clearly tell that there were people from all over the world. And honestly, it just, it felt good. It felt like they made the effort. Was it the best effort? It's the best it's one effort. so far. It's, effort. it's the best one I've seen so far, so I can give them that. So shout out to Delta Airlines for their safety video. Definitely caught my attention and blew out my eardrum with how loud it was in my headphones. But, you I mean. <laughs> you got so excited. You turned up the volume. No, you know what it is? You know you have your headphones in while you're trying to watch the movie or whatever. Or you, you're trying to watch TV if you're not listening yes. to your music. And you got to turn it up because the volume is low yes. and then if they scream then in they your stop. ear and you're just like, but I need the, I need these. Yes. So whatever. It was cool though. I enjoyed it. Um, we got to share this through the, the social channel. I know. I got, I'm going to find the, we do have a lot of links to show people. So I'm going to, I'm going to send that out to Orlando to put that on uh, the SoundCloud. Cool. So my dope shit today actually uh, Campaign Us hosted their first conference called Campaign Us INC, which was all about inclusion and culture amongst advertising, whether you're on the creative side, whether you're on the media side, whatever the case may be. Um, and it was really interesting to sit in a room of a group of diverse people, but not listen to the same conversation happen over and over again. Like the term general market was put out and basically it was said, we're going to kill this. And every time someone steps on this stage and says general market, you're going to give me $5 and we're going to start a scholarship fund with it. Like, <laughs> that was the tone that was set. And those are the type of My conversations heart just fluttered. being had in this room of not just middle level management, but upper level management. So there's SVPs of diversity and inclusion and CMOs and everything like that in the room. It was a really good morning just to spend amongst people who want to make a change and who have the power to do so. All right. Come on. Come on and let's just get rid, of, <laughs> get rid of the general market. Let's be more specific. That's dope. That was dope shit. I wish I would have known about it. You still have next, still a whole lot of year yeah. left, you know. I mean, this is the first year. Maybe you get in next year. You be a panelist. I mean, I'm trying to fit in somewhere next year. So hopefully. No, this year. I'm trying to fit in somewhere this year. I am. It's only... February. In it's reference to technically a, March. But in reference to a past episode about conferences, we had a challenge. We did have a challenge. We did. I'm gonna be in there. Okay. Watch. I see you. Don't believe me, just watch. 
That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. Well, that's good. I like um, I like the fact that we were able to cover all different parts of uh, communications today. So thank you, ladies. Um, and as we wait on Simeon, we'll just go ahead on and breeze into our topic for today. So as you guys know, we have our guest Shaquana Joseph uh, here with us today. Does it sound weird <laughs> when I say hyphen. it? Yes. Does it sound weird yeah. when I say it for real? It yeah. sounds weird to hear you say it, but it's, I Wait. mean, that's that's your name. I mean, it's my name. I haven't changed it at work, so. Oh. But it's my name now. Well, we're all it's family after in hours here. Name. <laughs> <laughs> right, it is after five. When I'm with mixed company. When you know. you're in mixed company, exactly. So we've invited Shaquana here today so that we can actually talk about something that's really important to herself and us. Um, So those of you that work within any organization, um, whether it be a corporation or a teacher's union or or a school, rather, or an agency, um, generally you would be aware of your employee resource groups. And for those of you that are not sure what an employee resource group is, essentially it is, um, I guess, like a committee of employees who come together with Um, very similar agendas for, I guess, things they want to tackle. Now, forgive me, I'm no Webster, so it's not going to be the most eloquent description. But, for example, if if there's a whole bunch of parents that just want support and help and need a a safe place to vent, and they form a group, that employee resource group is a parental employee resource group. For those of us in diversity and inclusion, uh, pushing for um, pushing for a stronger representation of people of color and women um, how, and, and however else you want to break it down within an organization, those people come together to push their agenda and have conversations with senior leadership. They essentially form a, um, an employee resource group. Right. Now, the reason we're having this conversation, um, yeah, the reason we're having this conversation is with the onset of diversity becoming um uh, coming to the forefront of conversation these groups i feel and and obviously we can have the discussion are taking a deeper meaning and have more power with um the change that they're able to make mm-hmm. um it just so happens shaquana for shaquana <laughs> shaquana joseph here um as is a leader of one of the more, I guess, prominent or widely known it's, employee resource it's groups. It's actually newer. It's one of the newer. You guys are newer, but definitely cooler. They gave away speakers at their event, guys. And I've just been listening to <laughs> Listen, you that. can get me with liquor and some good swag. It don't take much. You know I'm a marketer at heart. We knew, so we have to make sure we get the people coming back. You are a marketer by practice. But... <laughs> With all that being said, Shaquana's um, Shaquana's group is is recently starting, but they also partner globally within the. um, Actually, let me let you let me let you talk about yourself and the group, and then we can go from there. Yeah, sure. So, employee resource groups at AOL is just actually starting to take off. 
there have been in groups in the past and they've kind of fizzled out. So now there's an actual push behind the creation of these employee resource groups from the top down. I feel like before it was kind of from the bottom up grassroots, but now we have executive sponsorship, which is a key thing in a successful employee resource group. Um, supporting them. So beyond just the ballers, which are black AOLers, there's a military support group, there's out at AOL, and there is Makers, which a lot of people know Makers as the brand, but Makers is the woman, the women's focused ERG group. I just got ballers. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I pictured it, I was like, ballers, okay. And it's like, okay, like a little ethnicity. Right? <laughs> but when I pictured, oh, the B and AOLers, ball, okay. Thank got you. It. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> for, those we of us, you. for those of us that learned how to read phonetically, it it's not about phonetics all the time. Ballers. <laughs> Similar, but it could be like Bowler. Like if I you just want to, we, we work in advertising. Right. I tell you what it is, and then you believe it because I told you. Oh, no, I work yeah. in advertising, so I, well, I can't fuck it can with the be, bullshit. You know what? This is very literal. I mean, I only be his black diaspora. <laughs> well, that's good. That's expansive. Yeah. I mean, that touches all corners of 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 the the black peoples of the world. <laughs> the black people of the world. There's many. <laughs> I was just thinking like Lil Wayne, we gonna bow. We're gonna bow how. <laughs> anyway. To tell the person who created the name how much you all love it. It's catchy, I like it. Thank you. Let's put that on T Bow. <laughs> All right, so you guys have ballers going on. Right. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing this year, what you have in mind to pursue this year, um, and then we can just kind of start talking about yeah, ERGs and, as a whole. Yeah, and your role. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I'm a co-lead, um, and as a co-lead, there are three co-leads in the New York office, and then we also have a counterpart in our Dulles office, which used to be the largest AOL office. Um, and then we are partnering with our counterparts in London. So one of the big things at AOL is making sure that everything is global. Um, so each office will have their own lead. And then in the New York office, there'll actually be two leads that pretty much head up everything. So it's kind of like you have your arm in London, you have your arm in Dulles. Eventually, we'll make our way out to the West Coast, and we all funnel up into two main leads that try to keep it all together, make sure they're uh, reporting to the executive team and so forth. Um, the interesting thing that I find with this is that everyone works differently. Everyone has different challenges within their offices. People in London view themselves a little bit differently than people in America. Their challenges, although are similar, are not exactly the same. So what we found would be more beneficial when structuring ballers is to create pillars so that as an organization, we know what our key points are, but as a local group, you figure out what works best for you and your programming and how it will funnel into our key pillars. So for the New York or the U.S. team, I should say, 
some of the things are like Ballers Cares. How do we support different organizations from a community aspect? How are we building this pipeline from school to the workforce, from being in a junior level role to how do I work my way up and get the soft skills that I need to excel inside the company? Um, we also have Life of a Baller, which touches on some of those things as well. So bringing in students and experiencing what your life would be like if you worked at AOL. AOL is, has a very diverse slate. AOL owns Huffington Post. They own Style Me Pretty. So that just doesn't go for people who want to be in advertising sales. That goes for people who want to write for Huffington Post. That goes for people who want to be in tech. Who can I find that can kind of mentor me, whether it's for a day or this partnership carries on, so that when I'm out here in college and I don't know what I want to do or I'm taking these courses, this is what I know I'm striving to do and this is how I know that I'll get there. Um, and then we have the pillar, My Black is Beautiful. So it's all of our cultural events and it's focusing on culture in education. So you may not understand why black history is important to me and why I don't just celebrate it in Black History Month, but all throughout the year, but this is a program to teach you and to show you what that is. So in June, we us having Black Music Month and partnering with partnering with other organizations that you know focus on music. So if we partner with Hot 97 and we did a Black Music Month event, that's bringing culture and inclusion and education to the people at AOL. And it's not just we come out and we give you a bunch of programming in February, and then for the rest of the year. Where often the only time you tap into us is when you need a black focus group. And I guess that could be hard sometimes. I'm I'm assuming that can be hard sometimes when people don't understand the significance of of what it means to be, I guess, a black employee or even yeah. If, yeah. even with other employee resource yeah. groups, an employee with your status, whatever that status may be. I mean. We know, I guess that could have been somebody's dope shit, but Hava, yeah, Hava but Chicago. I, I was yeah. waiting for you, waiting for you to say it. Hava <laughs> Chicago actually just created a, a game, if you will, but how, how, what better way to get people to engage with a real life scenario than putting it into a game of, you know, this is what it's like to be a black employee within our office. And they had things, they had different, um, points obstacles. of obstacles. Yeah, they are. And they're literally obstacles or it's like, What's can I touch your hair or touching your hair yeah. without asking? Or, oh my god, that's so ghetto. Or walking along the tightrope, basically. Right. And if you go to the left, you're angry. And if you go to the to the right, you're lazy. Like yeah. and and getting your getting your fellow uh, employees to understand or coworkers to understand that like it's more than just what you've been taught and more nuanced and more um, and more importantly, like, I just want to be comfortable when I come to work. Exactly. And it's also about pushing the needle because you're, people don't know what they don't know. So if I ask you, if I create a hashtag and I tell you, I want to put this hashtag on all of the corporate communication for said event, but you think my hashtag is a little bit too political. You think my hashtag is a little bit like edgy but you don't understand where it's coming from because you're not part of my community i now have the opportunity to educate you and i now have the opportunity to educate you and then get you to look at it from a different lens so when you're approaching creatives down later in the future we don't have to have this conversation 
you understand where I'm coming from. I'm not challenging you and I'm not trying to create a riot within the company. I just want you to know that this is part of my culture and this is why we're doing it. It creates a teachable environment, yeah. a comfortable environment so everyone can be themselves. You know what? That reminds me of today. So I really like my team now. I know we're recording. I may take back these words. <laughs> it's okay. Five months, seven months. Two all, years from now. That's okay. Everyone changes their minds. But I actually, I mean, I, have, I wore my hair out today. And oh, you usually showed the, when it's You hair, showed them that you had African roots. Yes. <laughs> oh. And I had a very, like, intelligent conversation with one of my clients. She was like, I really like your hair because you can wear it so many different ways. You have it curly. And then when it's straight, it's like... It's like a different type of straight. It's like thick and nice. And I was like, thank you. And no touching was involved. <laughs> we had a nice conversation. And that made my day. So talk about teachable moments. Hey, we got to get them where we can. Hey. Um, we have somebody that just joined today. <laughs> oh, hey, Sam. Or other guests. <laughs> we, have another, we have another guest. Yeah. Things happen at work. Look at you with the striped shirt, though. I see you. You look real pretty. Oh, you my. can wear white, girl. You're Parisian. Oh. Hey, <laughs> so, um, sorry. <laughs> oh, just so you guys know, I'm actually about to explain to Simeon what's going on in here because he kind of just walked in. So, first of all, it's Mardi Gras. So, that's a hurricane, and there's some stress uh, and some okay. profits in there just for you. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. There's a glove in front of you and there's some plates over here. Have at it. Is there, are those bibs in the corner? There are bibs over there if you need it, but we grown, so we didn't use oh. them. So I'll be going to use them. I'm going to use cup, though. Oh. Oh. Because you didn't bring the cups. <laughs> Pretty much since so we're, you're joining in the conversation, we're talking about employee resource groups. And essentially, uh, Shaquan is talking about Ballers. Just kidding. Ballers <laughs> over at AOL and essentially um, what it's been like to grow their organization um, within AOL as well as partnering within the community and outside inter- and out in outside what would you call offices? International like inter offices. Interoffices. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty much where we are. Welcome. Yeah. How are you feeling? Uh, it's been a very long day. Hasn't it? Yeah. Hasn't it? That's cool though. Um, here you get to just kind of let it all hang out. So <laughs> yeah. So back to employee resource group. So I think that's great. I know we just started our diversity uh, group within Space One Fifty, um, and what I found is for us, like seeing how quickly we were able to take action. Like it's hard sometimes, right? You start the you start employee resource groups and what happens is you're just kind of talking in circles. You First of all, you got, you got to vent. So that's the only reason. That's part of the reason why you're here. Like We have to talk about why why we need this resource group. What are the resources that we need? What have we been feeling that's led us to believe that there's an issue that needs to be discussed? And then when it came down to it, um, getting getting together to, define, to decide that cross office wise, we wanted to be able to partner with outside entities to support our internship program which on one hand is a very small step but to be able to make that step so quickly that on in the new york and we're partnering with ladders for leaders which works with the um the mayor's with the mayor's office in minneapolis they're partnering with brand lab in la they're partnering with a couple other groups and just being able to actually 
make a plan of attack, reach your hand out and make something happen specifically for your endeavor to me has been and it has been exciting and helpful to sorry <laughs> and helpful to feel like helpful for me to feel like you know we're actually making progress within the diversity scheme i think one thing that you said was like a place to vent now i came from um i haven't been to a a, a diversity group smaller than like 40 people because the groups that I'm part of are part of larger corporations, essentially multiple agencies. So everybody's coming to the meeting kind of thing. And it hasn't been a place to vent. Mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been taking the role of showing representation mm -hmm. that there are black people here because <laughs> we may not see it in our office. And also like making sure that reputation, I mean representation is at your agency or, or in your office or in your holding room. So it, hadn't been, it hasn't been a place to vent. It's really just like, here's stuff, like more of a networking type of thing. And the venting part is really like, if you really vibe with someone or like really connect with someone, that mm -hmm. you get that one-to-one. -one. That's been my personal experience. I think it has to be twofold, but you have to manage the bitch fest in the bitching sessions. I'm sorry for my language. But... What you don't want, <laughs> what you don't want, is for every meeting people are coming yep. and they're simply complaining about things that either we can't change, either we're working too too slow to change, or one particular thing that then defines who the group is. Because I feel like in order to be successful, you have to somehow tie this one back to the business metrics. Like if you're going to get funding, if I'm giving you money, you have to show me how this is growing my business. And me throwing you a couple of dollars so you guys can have booze and tapas and complain about everything that's happening isn't going to work. Right. But I think it's important. I think it is important to create that safe space. So when something does happen, you feel comfortable being around these people and speaking up and saying exactly how you feel. And it just how to say it as well, because we can say... Some of us have learned trial by fire, and some and some people, well, some people of us have watched people get burned and see that's not the way to go. But I think the key word that you said is the safe space, um, and just kind of like being in uh, an employee resource group that is pretty new. It's only like a year old. To the point of like being able to bitch. I think when, like when they first started or when they first invited me into the group, I asked like, "What was the problem?" And no one wanted to say, like, yo, there's, like, a diversity problem here. It was kind of like being sugar-coated. So I think there's knowing how to... And, and that's kind of the reason why I, I, I'm i not as militant or say it's, like, militant shit, like, while I'm around, <clears throat> around them. It's because I, I, I realize that they, they're not there for the bitch sets. Like, they don't want to hear people bitching. Like, that's just not the culture. It's It's very family oriented if you would like everybody wants to be friends so they don't want to bring that tone into it so it definitely is something where you want to gauge who you're around because all people of color ain't here for um just like rehashing everything that's wrong right i think that's fair but that i guess that kind of leads me to like my first big or a second question rather like how how can employee resource groups be most 
useful or more successful with their push for specifically specific to diversity with their push for whether it be equality or larger talent pools or better benefits like what can employee resource groups do to make situations better for the employees that work there i mean i think it all starts with people being willing to identify what the problem is so you need to know like what exactly is the issue if you're just putting a blanket statement over, oh, yo, we need more black people or we need more Hispanics or we need more women or we need more gays. Like, all right, cool. You need more of that. But like, why don't you have them Mm -hmm. and be willing to say, why don't you have them? So then once you can identify that, I mean, it's like this is something that we've been saying since day one, that you need to be able to identify the problem. Mm -hmm. So once you identify the problem, then you can start saying like, it may not be that you need more black people. You may just need a safe space for black people to vent. That may be the thing that's missing. So if you're if you're starting an employee resource group or you're part of one, like you somebody needs to be willing to be really explicit about what the problem is. Because when you are, then you can start mapping out solutions. I think for the importance of, of, of employee resource groups is representation. It's the fact that, like I said before, that there is someone out there that is like you. They may not be on your team. They may not be at your agency. But, I mean, they may not be on your team, but they are within the agency. And this is a space to show that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, if you're part of a small one, a small group, or a large group, and you understand the purpose of the group, um, then you can contribute to more to the group. So there are people who don't, who are black, and they don't go to the black employee resource group. They just don't find their purpose or right. you know their voice or even a reason to go. Right. Um, but they know that it's there, and I think part of the business is like showing the internal employees that you know we do hear that there's another voice. Mm-hmm. within the company and we do notice that you need resources you do need that help you do need to know that you're not alone in this group that means that speaks a lot of volumes for people who work within the agency because not only is it to get people to your company it's also retaining people in your company one of the things that i'm thinking about is like to Simeon's point if you're going to an employee resource group And the culture of the group is to tiptoe around issues. I almost want to know how productive that is. Like, and to your point, right? You need to know what you're there to accomplish before you even start the meeting. Otherwise, we're wasting our minutes. And I feel like I, obviously, this is me personally, and I talk shit all the time, right? (laughs) I wouldn't even want to, I wouldn't want to mess with any employee resource group that just wants to talk about the happy things going on or that would just want to be about representation. Me sitting in this room isn't doing anything. So I almost want to know, like, how successful can that actually be if we're, if there's no transparency or honesty? So I think there has to be transparency because, and I wanted to speak for this, because tiptoeing may not necessarily, may be tiptoeing but not necessarily tiptoeing to the agents, to the group. The thing is, there is the business part of a business resource group. And although the group wants to do all these things, they, all have so, they also have to think about their funding and 
what issues they can tackle, like, and the angle. So I had a problem with this with my own. Um, when the shootings happened this summer, last summer, and then the Orlando shooting happened, um, there was a different type of response. Mm -hmm. So with, with Black Lives Matter, all that we saw other agencies put out letters, put out like, you know, your black coworker may feel this type of way, all that type of stuff. I didn't see anything from Ogilvy. Mm -hmm. Not a letter, not a nothing. Not anything. Um, but then when the Orlando shooting happened, it was like, we had three newsletters. So we had like an Ogilvy do, we had a letter from the president, we had American Express is one of, is one of the clients and they did a campaign. Like, they did? just a list of stuff and a list of, like, a group of emails. So I and, sorry, and I, before I left, I talked, I spoke to the communications person for our Black Diaspora group, and I was like, listen, like, I don't understand. Like, why didn't we do anything? Why, not even, like, you didn't even have to do a campaign. You didn't even need to have a party or a vigil. You could have put a letter, a statement, mm -hmm. because I'm looking here to you guys as representation. That's, what you put yourselves as, you know, being mm -hmm. that group. So, and she came back and she's like, we, could, we couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. The angle that we wanted to come from was coming off too political oh. or they didn't come off the right <sighs> angle. So my thing is, at what point do you step aside and go around this employee resource group and stay true to yourself. Because I've been in similar situations where it's there isn't particularly a safe space and I'm not liking how people are responding. And because I don't like this, I'm going to address this head on. And if head on means my approach is going directly to the person that can make a change. So if that means going to the CEO, then I'm going to the CEO and I'm telling you exactly how I feel because a lot of times for me, Yes, if you have this employee resource group, it is their job to put out information and make you feel safe. But I want the same response out of leadership that everyone else gets. Right. So if something, if a right. shooting happens and it harms the LGBT community and then something else happens and it's harming the black community and the CEO has something to say about the LGBT community, you need to come out and say that same thing about the black community. And I'm sorry, I'm not asking you to take a stand and get behind one particular group and say, we're going to donate money to Black Lives Matter or we're going to do this, which can become political and then that can get into affecting the actual business standpoint. But at least let me know that you're aware that something has happened and let the rest of the employees know they may be this group of people maybe respond differently you may want to ask them x y and z like create a comfort zone right. so that you can have the conversation or that my coworker can just come to me and feel comfortable enough to speak up about it because i sit by tvs every day i can't get away from cnn so if something is happening it's constantly coming in it's constantly weighing down on me and if i don't feel like it's coming from an upper management standpoint it doesn't matter what my erg is doing because my management doesn't care about me and my community right and to that point i think that it all depends on what your agenda is right so if you're talking about like analyzing what the erg is going to do that meets your standards 
everybody ain't going to be militant. Everybody's not going to be forthright. Everybody's not going to be transparent because it's, it's all cultural. Like, you know what I'm saying? It all depends on how you're raised and what you were exposed to and where you are in your angry black person journey. Like, all of these... <laughs> <laughs> like, like, all of these things are are relevant. So if you are part of an ERG group where you go to one and you don't feel like they are addressing the issues that you need addressed in the manner that you feel like they need to be addressed, then it all depends on what you, it all, you should analyze what your agenda is. So when I went and I asked a question like, yo, so um, you guys started this group, why? Uh, we just feel like, you know, we want to like create like events and stuff so like people know that we're here and we can help with recruitment alright cool but like did something happen like no, you just get right to it because, because I mean that's our job like we work in communication like let's be real like first of all we work in communications like this is the core of what we do we solve problems we solve communication problems but we, we solve bigger problems like with activation so if something happened Someone's, someone was discriminated against or there was like whatever like okay tell me that because then we can say alright cool what how did that happen and then we can start solving around that right. but since y'all don't have a story or y'all don't have any grievances then cool this is a safe space for me to actually put my agenda to good use I'm the one who sends emails every week saying like yo we should do this right. let's do this follow up did anybody follow up on this pretty much everything like i mean like yeah the traditional events are happening like black history month and stuff like that but i want them to hire my agenda is that i want you to hire people of color who did not necessarily go to schools that are on your top recruitment list so if you're if Typically, if somebody's looking for a person of color that graduated from college, they would go to their go-tos, your Howards, your HBCUs, blah, blah, right? So, at the same time, you have City College Uptown, right. like you have Baruch, you have all these other colleges where people of color go, but the industry doesn't necessarily look for these people who are right in their backyard, that's my agenda. I want you to go to the people who are right here. You don't have to spend any money. All it costs is a Metro card to go uptown or across town to recruit people who are being overlooked because they didn't go to the traditional advertising schools that everybody normally um, pulls from. So that's my agenda. I've been using the fact that they're so lax. I mean, and they're they're about whatever they're about, but the fact that they're so lax gives me an opportunity to flex my agenda on them. So now we're due, now we have like two events um, coming up with City College of Town because I was on top of it and I said, I want to do this and here are the opportunities. Um, and then you give them the, and this goes back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago when I talked about setting people up to fail. Because if you, we're going back to this. <laughs> if, because here, here's here's the thing: if you're if you're really about doing something, yep. And someone gives you an opportunity, especially a free opportunity, all it costs is your time, and you don't do it, then you are not about what you're saying that you're about. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm going to do more is actually do something. I feel like sometimes we wait for the ERG to make a response. I agree. And like, and I I'm victim and I'm. Admitting it's now. Like, 
I wish I, if I saw something, I wish I've done something. Like you're doing something right now. You have your agenda, but you're also helping the group because it's only the people we made. They made this group to get different perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. With all that being said, I think it's important for everyone to have an agenda because. So one of the things I think about, right? Um, to send me your point about people kind of just sitting there not knowing why they're starting things or creating to your point like you, know, you not necessarily feeling empowered to take the lead within your ERG to help make change like is there an opportunity to partner with outside ERGs employee resource groups to either a uh, increase your resources available to you to help make change or to be to, to be just allow you to give yourself more ideas on what that change could be yeah definitely like the employee resource groups are not here to fight against each other if nothing else you should be collaborating there should be a network of employee resource groups whether it's all the leads getting together and talking about what's happening. How else are, with a small employee resource group, how are you getting outside people in? How are you making sure that, like, oh, we're getting invited to these other larger employee resource groups and we're not getting overlooked? You have to build that partnership the same way that you are building your personal brand and your personal network because we're only going to get stronger if we work together. Like, we... Google's employee resource group has been around for a while. Google has money to spend. Google backs this group. They get the money. Google can bring in people that I can't. The same way that if I want to do an event surrounding music, I'm no Spotify. I'm no YouTube. But I know these people there. And this is how we're going to partner together to get it done. I think it's easier to um, partner with employee resource groups that are not within your same industry. Mm-hmm. So it's easier. And I don't know why. Um, Ogilvy does it all the time. They, they partner with American Express. They partner with J.P. Morgan. There are resource groups. I find it easier. Um, and it's a different. It's another way to, for everyone to meet other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I rarely see, like, two ad, like, industry, like, groups having an event. I rarely see that. I disagree. So, and it may be because I'm coming from a tech perspective, but I feel like a lot of times, especially on the panels and things like that, you're pulling resources from other companies. So if I want to have a panel about diversity and employee resource groups, where do I go? I go to people that are in my industry because what I do want to happen is all of these events, especially when they're open to the public, these are recruitment opportunities. So if you're interested in tech, what I want to do is create a slate for you so that you feel like when I walk into this room, there's a business opportunity for me, whether it's at AOL, whether it's at Facebook, Twitter, whomever it may be. So I feel like in the tech space, a lot of organizations partner together because we, although we're competing for ad dollars and talent, we all can feed off of each other. We all don't offer the exact same thing. Yeah. And we're feeding off of each other. And maybe that's a miss in on the ad side where it's like, well, we're competing and they we are already, you know, under review for this business that we want there. So we just want to keep everything separate. Yeah, I see it like on panels, you'll have people from different right. agencies, but like having an event. And I, I don't think, see co-sponsored yeah. events either. I definitely see like on the panel side, which to me... To me, I feel like there's a second step that can be taken from that. And honestly, that idea came to me from 
the 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 Ballers event. I'm just kidding, the Ballers event. <laughs> For your the other group. day. Well, because here's what it is, right? Part of the issue, um, or at least that I've I find part of the conversations that um, of the obstacles we talk about within HRGs is, oh well, we don't know if X is that much of a problem, or we don't know if that many people feel that way, or we don't want to make too big of a deal of something if it's not a big deal when it's like it's not just about the five black people that work here or the five moms that work here or the five latinos that work here it's about as a human being as a person who identifies in whatever manner that is for you i want to make my work-life balance more tolerable or or a nicer word than tolerable or easier to to inclusive more inclusive i want to feel more included within this community and not having my status as a a black person a a person of another color a mom um somebody that's that identifies as lgbtq a veteran etc i don't want these things to stand in my way as obstacles but i feel like if you're i feel like there's an opportunity to gather statistics and data from other employee resource groups so that when it is time to sit down and work out budgeting for certain programs or it is time to work out programming for um, for for certain departments that it, that there are numbers and there are receipts if you will to be able to show like this is why we need this it's not just us over here that's having these issues look at all these other people in these other companies that are having the same issues don't we want to be pioneers hell we work in advertising and everybody and their mama swears that they're a damn trendsetter everybody believes they create this culture nobody creates culture by the way anyway everybody <laughs> believe, everybody believes that they're a culture creator that they're right. trendsetters wouldn't you want to be the one to set the trend that makes the people that work for you you know like yeah. using that as leverage and i feel like there's leverage in numbers there's leverage in data there's leverage in knowing that if somebody else if other people are, are, are happier at another company, then there's, and, and you guys are partnering, there's a chance you might be trying to jump ship. So if re- when retention becomes an issue, there's an opportunity. Retention is already an issue. Retention is definitely an issue. As retention being, being a problem, there's an opportunity to use that as leverage to help push your agenda within your current organization. Awesome. I think Shaquan like, made a good point, though, because I'm right. I, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Before I plug this too. <laughs> um... The thing is, with tech, you don't really worry. Well, it's a less worry of competition because everybody, yes, is competing. Like you said, like is competing, but they have their own role where they still have to work together. And I think when you, Kai, were making a point that everyone's trying to show that they're the best, sometimes just the bare bones of it is like, what's defeating us to to be to work together? That we're trying that we're trying to be the best in the ad space because we're all alike that it's that everything becomes a competition but there's no data like there's not a lot of my point is more like it's there's not a lot of data around there for them to feel like they need to be for a lot of these companies not the resource groups but for companies to feel like they need to be the best it took it took bringing to your point a lot of shit that happened in 2016 to the headlines of like newspapers Mm -hmm. to make or to make companies feel like Oh well, I guess we should be trying to make our some of our employees feel a little bit safer when they come to work, huh? Meanwhile, this shit's been happening forever. So I'm saying that to me was a receipt. Seeing tragedy on TV or reading books 
about diversity and having prominent figures rise uh, in culture, like Ashonda Rhimes, who all who, who constantly pushes for diversity for women and people of color. Like, I, I feel like it took that kind of energy to make people feel like this is important, where I feel like there's a grassroots opportunity to draw the same um, energy, if you will, for for inclusion, not so much the, di the, the diversity, because the diversity comes from the group, you having these different kinds of groups, but the inclusion of the values and priorities of the people within these groups into the fabric of these organizations. And I feel like you can get that from, from partnering with multiple or with outside employee resource groups. But I don't think it's a them and us situation. No. I feel like maybe people who are leading these groups aren't utilizing their resources to I create agree. these opportunities. If your company, if you go to your company and you say, you know what, I want to partner with X agency. This is the plan that we have. This is how we're going to do it. We're both coming to the table with X amount of dollars and they tell you no and there's not a substantial reason as to why they tell you no, then they need to reevaluate why they're having employee resource groups. Set them up to fail. <laughs> I mean, that's real because the other thing is, where are you getting your audience? When you have external discussions, any type of event where you're inviting external people into your offices, where do you think these people are coming from? They're coming from your competitors. Like, if you work at Ogilvy and you don't think people from RGA to every other agency in this city is coming to your event, you're crazy. You get an RSVP list. You see exactly where they work. So you know for a fact that there is opportunity, there is an interest in most of these employee resource groups, or most of these companies have employee resource groups that will be down to partner. And there is not out there a list of, hey, here's the lead for this. Here's, here are all the employee resource groups in advertising, and here's the lead, and this is how you get in contact with them. So maybe that's something that needs to be pioneered, where it's, this is a community. We're going to all come together and figure out a way to collaborate and if our companies tell us we can't do it, that's when you move forward with other outside organizations. That's when the importance of the Ag Color or the Madison Collective or those type of organizations right. become important and relevant. Mm. What kind of, what what does success look like? Like, and maybe we don't know yet, but like, what should successful employee resource groups look like? What should they be doing? What sh What should the output be? um from their from their work internally i mean i think the point of them is to obviously diversity and inclusion but it's equity right sure. so these employee resource groups shouldn't just be for face value they shouldn't just exist to ensure that when you know people of color interview people of color who have options to interview see that there's an employee resource group that has people who that looks like them, right? The, if you have equity and, they, and here's the other thing, right? So when you start going down to like core problems, like recruitment, people of color refer their friends all the time to recruiters. If you start having conversations with people who refer their friends to recruiters, and you ask them how many of their friends have ever been contacted by the recruiters that they were referred to, you will hear that it's very slim to none because of equity. Like, 
if the recruiter doesn't respect you or the recruiter doesn't respect the group that the RG that you're a part of, then they're not going to contact your friends. They're not going to want to hire your friends. So to me, the, a successful ERG group has equity. When you say something, they listen to what you say. And I don't want to say it's gospel, but they take it seriously. for they take it seriously. So if you go to your ERG and you say, hey, there was a shooting. We need to do something. And your ERG says to CEO or whoever, like, we need to do something. It isn't shoved off. It's like, all right, well, we can't do it because it's too political. If you feel like it's too political, then find out what you can do. Right. Speak to right. who, speak to the people who you're trying to create a safe space for and ask them what they want. Because real talk, we don't really want something that's political. We want to be acknowledged for being human. Right. And if you don't acknowledge that people are dying because they look like your employees and you're not acknowledging your employees' humanity. But to that point, another thing is as an ERG, you don't stand alone. So if you feel as though you're getting a bunch of pushback, but there's another group who seems to, anytime they want to push the agenda, they're getting the needle pushed. You need to then, if you're sending these emails, start CCing all of the ERGs, send it to everyone that's a part of these groups. So then everyone can see what's happening. No one likes to be put on blast, but if that's what you have to do, because as an ERG, no matter which one you're in, it's a band of community creating an inclusive space for whatever group you identify with and whatever group you want to take part in. And when they see numbers, they start to respond. Amen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the, the whole idea of there being shut the numbers, like, it's real talk. Like, this is what an ERG is. If there's only two people at your company that are people of color and you have an ERG and a company of a thousand, the two of you ain't shit. Like, that's just like, that, like let's just be real. Well, you have your allies because just because right. it's a whatever group, you don't have to be a part of that group or right. identify right. yourself right. as that to be a part exactly. of that group. Right. So exactly. I, we are black AOLers. We are accepting of everyone. I don't care what your nationality is. If you want to come and you want to participate, come on. The more the merrier. So if it's two of y'all, y'all need to recruit about 40 other people to get down with the cause. Yeah, I, and I think that's, that's a good point because like the last... Well, we we've had we had our Black History Month event, and the turnout was everybody. Like it wasn't just Black people in the company; it was everybody showed up. I mean, it was probably part due to the fact that I um, was the creative director for we some get dope it, ass Simeon, we posters get it. <laughs> to promote it. But, <laughs> but yeah, like like every like everybody showed up, and also to that point of like collaboration and bringing in outside people when you bring in outside people the grievances of the people who are in front of you become more real because right. you don't know these people exactly. so for someone who doesn't that you don't know to be saying the exact same thing that the people that you yep. deal with every day are saying it's real like it's not it's no longer just like a myth or somebody just complaining and that's and that's really what's been happening over the last couple of years with social media and all of these movements is people are acknowledging that these grievances are real mm -hmm. it can't just be like somebody's made up imagination if millions of people are saying the same damn thing exactly and i and i guess for me for me that's what makes it 
more attractive to partner with outside groups and with inside groups. Like sometimes I shouldn't be the only one to tell my story in order for it to make a change. So, sometimes I need somebody else to to bear witness to that. And to your to everybody's point, like of of I guess giving. Uh, what am I talking about? To giving people, um, sorry, you my password. <laughs> to giving clout to grievances, like you want to be able to show that it's not just here. Because when, when, when issues look like it's just you, it could seem like, well, that's your problem. When it looks like it's, every, like it's not just you and it's other people that I identify with, it's easy to be like, oh, Okay, well, maybe we need to make a change. And yes, that sucks because it's like, why am I not important by myself? But for the sake of the numbers game and for the sake of politics, we got to find our leverage where right. we can find it. And I feel like partnering within your internal HRGs within your organization and finding ERGs from other organizations, not even just within your industry, but outside of your industry, I think that's important. I mean, at, at, once you have numbers, it becomes an insight, right? So, like, <clears throat> interesting thing that I've been noticing is when you get a brief that has to deal with people of color, all of a sudden, everybody is like very hypersensitive, right? Right. And the reason is there's an insight. Like people have heard, especially when it comes to black women, they've heard their, I don't want to say cry, but their, we ain't fucking with you if you ain't, representing us like if you don't put out images that showcase us in our best light if you don't put us in your ads if you don't talk to us in tones that are respectful then we ain't fucking with you Mm -hmm. and so like i sit in these briefings and you can hear that they've been heard because so many black women have said it and it's unfortunate that that they've had to say say it for decades but they've said it and it's enough of them saying it that now it's an insight. Now it's to be respected. So when, you, when you're when you having a collective um, message and it's coming from diverse sources, then the people at your company will take it a little bit more serious. And even from a business perspective though, right? We always talk about what the business case is for, um, what the business case is for diversity and that that's it like your employee resource group if nothing else becomes a strategy tool for your business for your creative for your briefs for how you interact with your clients because those are the best people to get your insights from so not just for you to solve business problems but for you to solve problems for your clients so i think that's a great point um, yeah, but one thing, going back to the point of where you have to be inclusive, is that we keep fighting this. I feel like a lot of when it comes to ERGs goes back to, like, how do we get more black people or how do we get more people of color inside the organization? How do we retain these people, all of that? But we also can't necessarily shun out the people that are not of this group and still have an opinion, ideally an educated opinion. Today, like I spoke about a dope shit at the campaign SINC, um, this woman, Susan Lee, who's the VP of head of people at Warby Parker, had a great observation. Head of people, HR? Yeah. Um, So she also writes romance novels. And there's been a big push, like, hashtag own your story. That she spoke about where people, authors, they're saying, if you aren't of this group, 
don't, don't write about me. Like, like if, if you, you are, are not a black woman and you're not telling a black story, you are now inauthentic. So I don't want you to write about me. But that shuts out a whole group of people who you don't know what where they grew up. You don't know what they, where they come from. And they may want to tell the story from their eyes or they may be collaborating. So it's important for these ERGs to be super inclusive and make sure that you're not shutting out the people who, one, want to learn or, two, have a different perspective that you may not agree with, but they bring it to the table. Right, and I, guess, I feel like that becomes like the... What, what I'm going to now call it, like the black black student syndrome, where people think that it's like, oh, that's just the, the group of black kids mm-hmm. at school. When you go to, when you do go to a largely, um, a largely white school, as we would call it, like generally that school, whether it's in high school or in college would have a black student union. And a lot of times people would just refer to it as, oh, that's the black group, even internally. When in reality, that's not what it is. It becomes um, a resource group for students that are black specifically to A, have a safe space and also have access to resources. That doesn't mean that you can't add to those resources by being somebody that's not, that does not identify as black, nor does it mean that you only talk, speak about issues that relate to black people. It's like, let's be real about it. This is just, it just, that's just what we're calling it right now. Right, but <clears throat> to that point, right? So you're, you're basically saying that you, like these em- employee resource groups should be open to everyone, mm-hmm. right? To that point. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like, like you, you just, like, I mean, yes. In theory, yes, because you want allies. And when you look back at like civil rights, and the Black Panthers, like, they had allies with white people, black people, Native Americans, Mexicans, all of it, right? Keith's point is that you can't just let everybody in. Because everybody doesn't have your best interests at... I mean, not necessarily that you can't let everybody in, but you don't want to take everybody at face value. Because everybody doesn't have your best interests at heart, some like everybody has their own agendas for participating in whatever they're participating in. I see you screwing up your face, Kai. Um, I'm I'm saying that to say when you when you are being inclusive in those spaces, yes, you do want to hear everybody's opinion, and yes, you do want to take questions. But at the same time, you want to be wary of people who are there just to um, work their own agendas. But to your point, that can happen from... I mean, it can happen anywhere. That but can happen within the the native group, if you will. Like, just because you are in the Black Employee Resource Group and you are a Black person does not mean that you are 100% for all of the things that the, the majority of Black employees in that resource group stand for. You said it yourself. Like, if you walk into... You walk into a group and and their culture is to not be transparent. Everything is freaking peaches and cream. Then that goes against that completely goes against everything that your employee resource group is supposed to do, which is draw attention to the struggles and the successes that people of your identified group go through. I mean, that's that's real. (laughs) Thanks. No, like 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 for me, like I. I'll be real, like my, like, and and I think I've said this before, like, so in my early 20s, I was very, like, (laughs) open. I was like, hey, 
Sim was saying he's a thot. He was. Uh, so it's like, but it was basically like, hey, you who don't look like me, like, oh yeah, we could be friends until I got burned, especially in the workplace. So I'm worried when I'm in spaces like that, and I feel like everybody's just like, hey, it's it's kumbaya. Everybody just come on in, and there isn't someone policing the. The room, the motivation, the motivation in, in the room. And so, like at the the Black History Our Black History Month event, there was a white guy on the there was there was a white guy on the panel, and like when he like he was talking, we were talking like basically the the topic was about like um, black influence on social media, like how one black teens create shit all the time. Like they're the ones who are behind like most like the biggest viral shit of like the last decade. Um, and people steal it. And I was like looking to him to fail. He but didn't. he did it because he kept <laughs> he kept caveating a lot of like a lot of the stuff that he said, which is with like, yo, I'm not the expert, but this is what I've noticed. I'm not I'm not talking from personal experience. Um, I also feel like white people should do X, Y, and Z. I feel like um, if we want to be sensitive or if we want to be hyper aware of how other people are feeling, this is how we, like, we should approach it. So like, I was waiting for him to feel and he didn't. But at the same time, it, it could have went left. Yeah. Right. And so that's why I say like, it's just like somebody needs to, yes, you want to be inclusive, but we've all seen or we know of spaces that have been infiltrated by people who... I guess it's me sounding mil- militant, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but basically, like spaces that have been that have been infiltrated by people who don't have our best interests at heart. But I think you don't have to be exclusive to who you allow in. The things that you need to become exclusive with is who are you allowing to lead? Yes. Who's going to be your representation in the boardroom when the rest of the group is not there? Do those people have the best interest for whatever your mission statement is and whatever your goals are at heart? And are they saying what needs to be said so that this group can continue to progress? I don't care who comes in the room, but everybody's not going to have a seat at the table because they don't deserve it. Mm. Yeah. Come through, yes. Everybody does not deserve a seat at the table. I mean, it, it's it's true, and I guess for me, that's where I'm coming from. Like, just because you don't look like me doesn't mean that you don't have my best interest mm-hmm. at heart. And most of the time, what hurts the most is when people that do look like you or people that you do fit feel share that share in your stake in identity and culture turn around and disappoint you by completely going left and like i'm less worried about i'm actually less worried about somebody that i don't identify with physically um than i am with the people that i would automatically assume being on my team which that is gonna always be a disappointment i've learned that i can't just because you look like me and just because we may have a conversation in private and i feel like we're on the same wavelength I can't assume that that's what you're going to do because I don't know how you have set your career up and how what right. you're going to do to get to the top. If that means that you choose to be a brown noser and go along with everything that everyone else says and you may let some slick comments slide about the black people when other black people are in a room, which I would never do, that's you. And I don't want to disappoint myself by automatically putting you on the same 
status, st- holding you to the same standards that I have. Mm-hmm. What I do want to do, though, is make sure that if those people become part of the representation of the group, mm-hmm. that they know that this is what this group stands for and this is how we've been fighting for whatever it is. And if you're going to be a part of this, this is what you're going to have to do. Right. I agree. So I'm down to, I guess we should start wrapping up. (laughs) And I'm always saying that because we were so late last time. But with all of that being said, like, where, what are the next steps? Like, how can we empower ourselves as individuals? And what can uh, ERGs do to empower empower themselves as micro-organizations to help um, ignite change for diversity? Like today. Today, today, or tomorrow. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to put a timeline on this. <laughs> I think it just starts with ourselves because at the end of the day, the employee research groups are made of employees. And what I've learned today is that if you want to see some sort of change, you, you, you have to... I don't want to say be because that sounds so like lame, but like you have to speak up and you have to know, like, call it out. Yeah, oh, you have to call it out. You know, just because you know you don't see it, you can't wait for someone to like wake up and see what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, although employee resource groups are there to create this safe space, to create this community, all of that. At the end of the day, if you want your company to take you serious, you have to figure out a way to tie it back to the business goals. All of these companies are out here to make money, and that doesn't mean my ERG becomes a focus group, but that means how am I putting on programming that also aligns with my company's mission. I work at a tech company. It doesn't particularly make sense for me to put on an event around fashion, but I know that within my tech company, there's another branch that focuses on fashion. So how do I utilize that brand because I want to put on a fashion event and tie it back to tech? Those are things that you constantly have to think about because if you want upper management, which is an important part of having a successful ERG, if you want them to take you seriously and if you want that seat at the table, they want to know how is this going to drive my business forward. So create that inclusive community, but also keep in the back of your mind that you have a goal to drive the business and revenue. I feel like a good a good focus for me and something that I'd like to continue talking to other people about in regards to employee resource groups is the point I made about receipts. Like, there's not specific for uh black people in advertising but in general there's not often a lot of data collected around grievances that people have in an effort to to Simeon's point to bring insights that can help change the trajectory of whether it be an ad campaign or policy being made within an organization use the resources that you have to pool with other people to start gathering your own data to start doing your own questionnaires to start having your own focus groups so that I feel like that would be an opportunity for employee resource groups to become more valuable and to be able to create a leverage for their importance and their prominence within industry and specifically within the conversation of inclusion. Hi. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry. I'm texting. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> is your phone off? My phone is not off. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I I think f- for me, like, y- y- sorry. sorry. Okay. I'm out here trying to date and shit, so I'm texting. Oh, uh, listen. Um, what? I think, like, so I think, like, solutions as far as, like, maximizing your um, ERGs, like, you got to have an agenda. Like, this, this goes to... I mean, not just having an agenda, but having a point of view that is solid. Like you need to know why you are there, not just as not just as a person of color, but why you are there professionally. Like what what is it that you bring to the table? What is it that you need? What is it that you, like? What are the the insights that you are gathering on your own as an employee who who works there? Like just don't show up to these groups being like yo we need more black people or we like we need more diversity and not knowing what the hell you're talking what what you're talking about because these this is one of those situations where it's like yo one dude can fuck it up for everybody like because you only need to do one make one wrong step before they're just like nah we don't need to do this or we don't need to have y'all in control of this like we can we can handle it right. <clears throat> so having having an agenda and also to the like to the point earlier of like reaching out and speaking to other ergs and knowing knowing what's going on knowing what's working at uh aol or what's working at a space <clears throat> or what's working at uh a space 150 like these things are extremely important because like we're not just working for ourselves. Like these are <clears throat> the solutions that ERGs solve are for you, but they're also for the people who are going to be coming after you. So the <clears throat> the solutions that you're that you're looking for needs to resonate with. They they need to be built on insights that won't just resonate for what's happening currently, but they'll live on past that. Hmm. Sounds good. All right, well, special thank you to Mrs. Joseph herself, Shaquana Joseph, for joining us on behalf of the ballers. <laughs> the ballers over at AOL. Um, thanks for everybody for showing up tonight, obviously. Happy Mardi Gras. Hey. <laughs> Shout out to this hurricane, these crawfish, this shrimp, and everything. Um, And then thank you guys for listening. So we'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks, as always. You can always find us on Gmail um, at AskMixedCompany at gmail.com. Facebook, not Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at AskMixedCompany. And just shout us out. Keep listening. Shoot us an email. um, And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Peace out, guys.